Hey, and welcome back to the Starting Over podcast, the podcast to help you heal your past, connect with the present and expand your future horizons. Today, I want to talk to you about starting over by following your intuition, how you can access it, and particularly how you can dare to take action, even when something doesn't seem to make logical sense. What I want to share with you is that This is a new way of making decisions. It's often one we're not comfortable with, but it may well lead you to a life beyond what you are currently imagining. So let's say you're faced with an important decision to make right now. I do want to to encourage you to open yourself up to a possibility of going about making that decision in a different way, a different way to which we are normally accustomed, right? The list of pros and cons, the rational, logical, methodical, data, analytical thinking. It's not to say that that's not important. It is. But oftentimes I've experienced people being stuck in this space and spending a lot of time spiraling and experiencing a kind of analysis paralysis because the the logical answer doesn't seem to be appearing. So of course this does stand into stark contrast to that because what I'm encouraging you to consider is the possibility of being led by your intuition. What I want to share is that there are some things in life that don't seem to add up and I'm going to share a few stories with you from my own life and my partner's life here but there are subtle signposts in life that guide you over in your journeys and we just overlook them. So what are some of these subtle signposts that I want you to start paying attention to? I'm going to come to that. But first, I want to share that I have opened a Patreon account where you can support the continuation of this podcast and, of course, your own healing and growth journey. So for the price of a cup of coffee per week, you will make sure that I keep bringing you inspiring, honest, authentic interviews and solo episodes like this one. You'll also get the behind the scenes access to the pod where you can submit questions for coaching to be included in these episodes. So if you have been a regular listener to the show and you found guidance, support, I would be super, super grateful if you do that by pledging your support. Thank you so much. So what are these signposts that we should be looking out for? So for those of you who listened to my episode with my husband, David, You'll know that he calls them our ISSEs, our intuition, creativity, and innovation. And as an expert on consciousness, he explained to us that our consciousness is dual, right? So we have the one that we're most familiar with, the mind, the ego, the voice in our heads, the inner roommate. This is the one that chats all day long, that has an opinion on everyone, everything. In essence, it's a CEO, of your life and left in charge, it would love to make every single decision for you. This is one element of consciousness. But the second is the one that we are less familiar with and less inclined to listen to. And that is our wider field of consciousness. So if you do go back and listen to this episode with David, you'll know that he explains this wider consciousness as what connects us to the web of the universe and it contains all of the information that we need to live an aligned and meaningful life and it is through that wider field of consciousness and that web of the universe that these intuitive downloads or insights come from so these signposts 
I want to talk to you about a book that absolutely changed my life. If you have not read it, go and get yourself a copy. It is amazing. It is called The Surrender Experiment by Michael Singer. His story blows my mind. He was a PhD candidate at a university in the States when he decided quite radically one morning that, you know what, he was fed up of this inner roommate, as he calls it, the voice in the head. And he started to follow teachings of the Zen philosophy. He became interested in mindfulness, in meditation, and was really disciplined in his practice, both morning and evening of that. And he saw what I just described in these two facets of the consciousness. So he realized that this ego, this inner voice was overstepping its capabilities and causing him to experience a lot of fear, doubt, shame in his life. It's not to say that you want to get rid of your ego completely. Of course you don't. And he didn't either. You know, he acknowledged that, yes, of course, this is useful for planning purposes, for analytical thinking, to reflect on his past, to learn from mistakes, and also to project to the future to prepare for tomorrow's challenges. But he said that that voice didn't or doesn't have the skills to know what would make him feel happy, fulfilled, whole, and present right now. So in contrast, he says that this wider field of consciousness is what geared him towards, well, guiding him through life in a different way. It had a clear plan and he had access to hidden information about what he was supposed to do with his life. But he said the only problem is, is that apart from some of these blissful moments in meditation, that chatter was always there in his daily life. And that was the one that was screaming to be paid attention to. And I'm sure you have this too. You know, this is how we go about our lives in general. It is our ego that is constantly judging, that is saying, I like this. I don't like that. This is safe. This is risky. I'm not capable. And for Michael, when he realized this, he said, okay, I'm acknowledging now that my ego mind's primary purpose is to keep me safe. So change, novelty, risky business endeavors, that is not desirable. But when he realized this, he decided to completely change his way of making decisions. And instead of letting his inner roommate decide for him, he thought he'd be better off accepting or even surrendering to whatever life proposed to him. I mean, what a way to go about making decisions, right? I mean, of course, this is fairly radical. And I've got to say, I was reading the book like completely dumbfounded, albeit it did open me to a whole possibility of living life in another way. And what he has experienced is just mind-blowing. He committed, like I said, with discipline to doing this meditation, to quietening that voice as much as possible in order to be able to hear a new type of information. But this led him to organizing spiritual retreats, building a temple in in the state of Florida, finishing his PhD with hardly any work, building a company that he sold for several billion dollars. Company first in in building construction work and then second in writing medical software. And then ultimately towards writing The Untethered Soul, which is also an an amazing book, which he managed to write, he describes, with such a sense of ease and peace and acceptance for what life presented him with even though at the time of writing he was going through an extremely difficult period of time he had 
a sociopath who was causing a lot of problems in his business and he had a multi-million dollar legal case to pursue. But instead of being absorbed by the worry, the fear and the doubt, which is what he'd recognized his ego mind is doing, he surrendered and let go into life and, and brought an acceptance towards his current situation. And this is the core idea of surrender in the spiritual sense. It doesn't mean giving up. It doesn't mean not taking action. It doesn't mean staying small or lazy in life. But it means fully accepting what life presents you with. And oftentimes, it also means letting go of personal desires and fears, recognizing that the decision criteria of your mind is often not compatible with living a whole, joyful, peaceful life. And it is this broad recognition that sometimes your mind doesn't have the capacity to see the whole picture. You can't zoom ahead, even though the mind likes to do that. It projects a future for you. You don't have all of the pieces of the puzzle. So it's always going to limit you to what it knows, making decisions based on your past experiences and operating in a way that you feel largely safe and unchallenged in life. Now, of course, with Michael's story and what he went on to experience and the successes he achieved is exceptional. And of course, not a lot of us would be as bold to to live a life like he has lived or to let go to that extent. But I don't think that it is necessary to go that far either in order to live your best life and to become a better version of yourself, a more peaceful, happier self. But what is necessary, I find, is to to establish a better balance between surrendering to what life puts in your path versus letting your ego decide and make decisions for you. So I want to give you a couple of examples of this from our own life. So David, he had been a, my husband. He has been a CEO, company owner for the majority of his life, working in market research. He's now an author, a novelist, a creative person. Now, if he had have listened to his mind, that would have said to him, who are you? to think that you could be an author. You've got to be responsible. You're too old to make a change. This is not the way that our careers operate, etc. But he did have an intuition that he should write a novel. And it came when he went to a spiritual retreat with Eckhart Tolle in Rhinebeck, New York. And he was on a boat floating in the middle of a lake in a really peaceful area autumnal leaves he had been working a lot on mindfulness meditation letting go of this you know egoic voice and he had previously tried to write a story but he admitted to himself okay this is the biggest pile of rubbish it is boring and he stuffed those papers away in a drawer never to be looked at again but when he was on this boat when he had quietened his mind enough he suddenly seemed to have this intuitive download which came out of nowhere and it said, write a novel. Don't write a nonfiction book, write a novel. And that's what he did. He had a rush of energy, a burst of happiness, if you will, something that said, this is it. Yes, this is it. And he got off the boat and he went back to his room and he wrote two chapters of the first story. And he said it came with a flow and an ease that had never happened before when he was busy doing his meta-analysis of all of the other work on consciousness out there. 
Now, in terms of the decision making, to go back to this point at the start about a new way of making decisions, this didn't mean that it was reckless and blind in, okay, I'm going to sell my company now and I'm going to dedicate myself to being an author full time. No, of course, there is the pragmatic considerations too. But he decided to allow himself the time to carve out the space and the time to continue writing his book while still working in his previous position, to explore the possibility of imagining a new future for himself, a new career for himself, and of course, by extension, a new version of himself, because everything about his life ended up changing. So, and this is really the point about keeping spirituality grounded as well. It's not about blindly following your intuition, letting go of all responsibility. It's not. But it is allowing yourself to listen to the whispers, allowing yourself to have these intuitive downloads and not just recycling these into your thoughts and allowing your limiting beliefs tell you why this is not possible for you. You know, like I said, he had that voice that said to him, you can't be a writer. You're a business person. You have an MBA in finance. What are you doing to think that you can now become a fiction writer? But by giving him self this chance to go step by step, to listen to his intuition, to surrender, let go into a new idea for himself, he ended up changing his life completely. And now he is a very successful writer and he shares his message, messages in five books with tens of thousands of readers. As for myself, you know, I've shared this previously on the podcast too about how I was unsure about what direction to take my career in, but public speaking had always been a theme along very different areas of my life. And I had an occasion where I was on a train on a way to a job interview and was not fully invested in the job, wasn't sure that I wanted it, but I thought I'll go anyway, give it a shot, see see what it's about and ask some questions. And I was sitting on this train reading a story about intuition, funnily enough. And I turned the page and at the top of the page, there was something about public speaking and fears. And at that exact moment, somebody walked past me on the train wearing a t-shirt that said, trust your instincts. And I saw that and immediately put it together with the public speaking. So I had been thinking about public speaking coaching and it gave me chills. I had goosebumps come all up my arms and I had a really undeniable boost of energy and these are the little clues you've got to start paying attention to in your life whenever they come and I'm going to come on to some of the things that you can look out for but for me what I took from that was this is this is not coming from my mind analyzing what is the best next step to take This was something else. And this is what I'm talking about when I say let go, surrender, and tap into your intuition and the possibility that there is another way of making decisions in your life. But let's keep this very practical and very grounded. So what should you be paying closer attention to? In reality, there are many ways to start listening to your intuition. And it's likely that you actually already receive them frequently But the problem is, is that we all have the tendency to recycle our intuition into our thoughts. You know, we have an enormous daily thought production factory of something like 50,000 thoughts on average. And instead of really absorbing our intuition, of seeing it clearly, we don't. We don't listen. 
we don't either hear it and we certainly don't trust it. Definitely not enough to start taking action because it's scary, right? It isn't always easy to listen to our intuition and it does take practice. But let me give you a few signposts of what to look out for so that at least recognizing your intuition will become easier. So there are many more, but I want to focus on a few key ones here. So first, these are eureka moments. These are kind of like the aha moments that I've just described to you, that intuitive download, that creative insight that often comes when you are not working on the problem at hand. That's what's interesting because when we often go about making our decisions and we're there really reflecting, maybe writing down lists, analyzing, it's not in those moments that these ahas seem to come. They will be at other times, like how I said when I was on the train or when David was in nature or when you're in the shower. They're often the times when you've allowed your mind to rest and you've made space between your thoughts because making space between your thoughts is what will allow this information to be received. So these eureka moments are when you go, yes, this is it. It is clear. It is striking. And somehow you just know that that is the answer to your problem. When I started this podcast, I was walking in nature. Again, nature seems to be a very common theme here. And the suggestion came of, why don't you start talking about your experiences and sharing them with other people? And I was like, yes, this is it. And had again, once again, that flood of excited energy, like, yes. And this, the crucial thing is knowing that this comes before the next step, which is your mind recycling process of, oh my gosh, but how am I going to do it? I don't know what the next step to take is. It's all the information that comes before you ask yourself about the how. It's the what, it is not the how. The how is when when stuff gets real and when you start rethinking the process. So listen to the what first. Second, there's information you can also get when you're in a modified state of consciousness. How do you do that? In reality, there are, there are many different ways. So some people will do breath work, meditation, like I spoke about with Michael Singer. Sometimes there can be drugs of some description, plant medicine, ayahuasca ceremonies, near-death experiences, out-of-body experiences. It's when you're not in your normal state and you can receive some information when you're, when you're in these states that you wouldn't have otherwise. Third, flow. This is when you do an activity with such focus, skill, passion, that at some point you have a sense of losing time, that you're really engrossed in what you're doing and you can receive information in those settings. So a good example of this is, is often with sports people. So for example, even tennis player Roger Federer, he said that he has won some of his most important games by seeing in advance when the ball would come. Like he could he was so incredibly focused mentally that he had a sense of anticipation and a sense of intuition, he says, of what would happen next. Again, with David and the writing examples, he said he would be able to access a state of flow and images of what he should write about in his novel would come. It wasn't through thinking, it was through allowing himself to be calm, present and open himself up. So just a question here, like, have you, what puts you 
in a flow state? Like, have you experienced this where you have lost this sense of time and where you often feel quite joyful as well and a sense of peace and calm? These are some of the times where you will be able to get these intuitive hits. Another is when you have what we kind of call a clear intuition, which can often be premonitory as well. I remember when a friend of my husband's was, he said, here, I've got, I've got a story for you. If you're going to write, write a book about intuition and creativity and innovation. And he said, I was driving around Lyon in France, trying to find a car parking space. And he pulled himself in. He was running late for a meeting and there was one available spot immediately opposite the building in which he had the meeting. And he said he had a clear intuition in that moment that said, not here, not this space. What did he do? He ignored it. <laughs> he ignored it because it seemed illogical. I've got a space right opposite where I need to go. I'm late, therefore I'm going to take it. And he said this was a massive regret for him, but also an indication of the importance of listening to intuition. Because when he came out, he'd realized that his car had been completely robbed. And of course, that provoked how many questions of how is this possible? That's not, this is premonitory, in fact. The guy, I knew that something was going to happen. And in reality, there are countless, countless stories like this. But because they defy logic as we know it, we choose not to listen to this type of information. Fifth point, synchronicity. Synchronicity is when you have this sense of meaningful coincidences happening in your life. Somehow things just seem to perfectly align. And once again, it defies logic and seems to extend further than just chance. So this was actually coined by Swiss psychiatrist Carl Jung. And I'll mention that because I have a story to share with Carl Jung in it, in fact, or a book by him at least. So Swiss psychiatrist Carl Jung, he said, these are this, these striking moments where seemingly unrelated events or circumstances are come together in a way that feels significant or meaningful to the person at hand. And he said it happens, people feel like they're more than just a random chance because there's something that has a purpose, a connection, and it really deeply resonates with your inner world. Now, this could be unexpected encounters with people, symbols, numbers, timing of events. And again, it all seems to be aligned in a way that's almost too perfect to be coincidental. So I say about Carl Jung, because I had an example of this really recently where David was late for a train to go to Paris and he called me and I had to drive him to go to a train station nearby. So it was first thing, first thing in the morning, I wasn't fully dressed. I quickly shoved something on and then picked him up and took him to the train station in a total rush, a bit removed from, well, let's say not grounded in that moment. And I dropped him off and then parked the car somewhere near the train station. I said, well, what do I do now? Okay, that changed the planning of my day's events. But what do I want? I want a cup of coffee. So I decided to go to a local cafe, quickly found one on my Google Maps and walked myself there. And then 
I sat down, ordered my cup of coffee, and I saw somebody sitting at the table next to me who had a book by Carl Jung. And I recognized this book because we have a copy of it at home. And I decided to strike up a conversation with him just by mentioning this book that he was reading that I really liked it as well. And we ended up speaking, funnily enough, in this cafe for two hours. But synchronicity moment here. This man happened to be considering writing a book himself and had been thinking about how to change his life and the next best step to take. He was working as a coach in universities and he said, but you know, one of my passions has been about writing a book and I'm not sure how to go about it. And I said, well, this seems like a striking coincidence here, but my husband just so happens to be an author on the themes that you are interested in and in a couple of weeks time, we are actually hosting a retreat with this topic in mind about how to access your innovation, your creativity, your intuition to help you make better decisions. This guy was absolutely dumbfounded. He read the contents of the workshop, what it entails, and he said, this is exactly what I am looking for. And he had that moment of chills where he said, but this is just synchronicity in perfect, perfect example, they're the signs that you go, wow, I cannot ignore this. I cannot ignore this because it is just too striking. What are the chances? And it was that question of, well, what are the chances of David happening to have a problem with the train, which meant that I needed to drive him here, me then deciding that I wanted a cup of coffee, going to this cafe, because that's the one that I chose, seeing this guy at that exact moment at the table, like, If you have a moment of this in your life, do not ignore it. Do not ignore it. There there is special information here and it is important to take action on it. So synchronicity. And the last point I'd like to share is that of gut feelings. This is the wisdom that doesn't just reside in our head, but also in our heart and in our gut And unlike thoughts, these intuitive nudges come from a deeper, often wordless understanding. They're communicated through a language of sensations and feelings. And of course, it's just a matter of distinguishing between these quiet whispers from the noise of our thoughts. And this is absolutely a skill worth honing, my friends. But And this often comes from the practice of quietening our thoughts and having a deeper connection with our bodies and paying attention to how we're feeling inside. I've often shared about how in my own starting over story of of leaving a narcissist and starting on this healing and self-development journey, I knew, I had a gut feeling that something was off with my ex-partner. I knew that there was something wrong and I felt it in terms of a, a tension in my abdomen, a tension, a, a clutching, a discomfort but it was quiet it was quiet but it was distinct and it's just that I did not take the necessary action and I allowed myself to recycle that gut feeling into thoughts and make excuses and talk myself out of it but the wisdom was there and it is the wisdom that does come through our body and it can be to go back to what I said at the start about this field of consciousness the wider information that comes outside of us We receive this through our body, through our gut, through our heart even, and also through our brain. So this is where we really pay attention to 
the body signals that we get? Where are, where are the rushes of energy? Where do you have goosebumps or chills or a sense of expansion internally or contraction also internally? Like where is the fear kicking in? Where is the joy kicking in? Now I want to finish with talking about the necessity of taking action because this is the part that is often the most difficult for people and it's it's scary because you're often going against the grain. It's not how we're taught to operate in the world and there can often be a lot of fear and doubt about choosing this path. But the practice that I want you to try is when you do identify something as an intuition practice quick decision making even if it doesn't make sense like do not allow yourself to recycle this in your thoughts because what will happen more often than not is that you will not take that action you won't follow it and another practice that I have tried is instead of the pros and cons list have the two decisions for example the two options that you're weighing up write them down on a piece of paper go away, go and meditate, go for a walk in nature, empty your mind as much as you can and come back and immediately draw a circle around the option that you feel the most pull towards. These are the kind of things where you allow yourself to get more access to the intuition and like what is feeling right, what you naturally gravitate towards before you have all of the mental noise that so often links to overthinking. So, I hope that this episode has given you some food for thought or maybe less thought, which is is certainly what's needed in these instances of listening to our intuition. But really allow yourself this time and this possibility to think of a new way of making decisions and allow yourself to be to follow your own unique path. You know, sometimes you will have this sense of being behind or being frightened that this is not what how you're taught to live your life it is a new route but it doesn't mean that it is not the right one for you thanks so much for listening everyone and i hope you have a great week see you next week